Welcome back, everyone. This is Adam and Shelly, Marketing Monday. Shelly from the Pallet Prison and myself from the renovated, freshly renovated office. And we have Morgan Harris of Green Bambino. And where did you say you were from, Morgan? We are in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. Apologies. Um, so Morgan is joining us today because she is a brick and mortar retail store that sells mommy goods and baby goods and all sorts of parenting related goods. And Morgan, we were talking just briefly right before we hopped on in our sweet little green room, because this is a totally professional <laughs> podcast. And we were talking about how you were celebrating just before COVID, um, two weeks before COVID, your 10 years in business um, anniversary. Mm -hmm. And so that's no small feat just in and of itself. But where I think we're going to kind of get in today, what um, you, first of all, maybe a little bit of that journey in that first 10 years and kind of what you've learned. But number two, how you've adapted in the last couple of, well, let's just call it last six months um, during COVID. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about um, uh, Green Bambino and the, like, kind of like the last 10 years. Well, a lot's happened in the last 10 years, as you could probably understand. We opened in 2010, quite simply because something like Green Bambino didn't exist in Oklahoma City. Uh, we opened as a cloth diaper shop because we had chosen the cloth diaper my son. There was nowhere locally that we could get advice or help or see products before we buy. And I spent the first year of his life spending tons of money and time on the internet and having no idea if what I was doing was even remotely right. So after, when he was about a year old, I started to think, you know what, I can do this. I'd only ever worked at small independent businesses. I realized just a couple of years ago, I've never worked for a corporate chain. I've only ever worked for local. And I had learned a lot along the way. Turns out I hadn't learned as much as I thought maybe I had learned. I've learned even more in the last 10 years. But I thought I can do this, you know? And we opened a tiny little cloth diaper shop. It was 70% cloth diapers. And over the last 10 years, we have tried really hard to listen to our customers and go the directions they want us to go in. And we have grown into more of a mainstream baby boutique providing lots of things, no matter whether you think you're a green family or an eco family or that kind of stuff has no interest to you whatsoever. We want to make sure we are welcoming to all of our community and have what parents need to make life easier. Because we know that in 2020, COVID aside, Parenting is so stressful and overwhelming because how many people tell you on Instagram what you should be doing? How many people tell you on Facebook what you should be doing? And yes, we're just one more opinion in that, but we can really listen to what you tell us. We can ask you questions and guide you to the thing that is right for you, not just the thing we want to sell and make it be something that helps you be less overwhelmed. Hmm. Well, so... I mean, really what it sounds like, and I don't, I hope you don't mind me making the comparison between you and Shelly, but it sounds like you guys had pretty similar businesses in that regard, where a lot of it was about community and just trying to reach out and help each other, help moms just be better or well, I should say parents. I shouldn't say just moms, but just I be better say, parents. You know, I didn't ever get to visit Shelly's store. I knew, I knew her through shows and things. Uh, but her influence is bigger than maybe she realizes because about three years ago, I hired a consultant she had hired. Turns That's out definitely he, a very good friend of Adam's as well. Uh, Clint. So yep. turns out Clint is cousins with a person in Oklahoma City who is 
really, really smart about retail things and just let them know I was missing something. And I, I didn't know what it was. And about 45 minutes later, I burst into tears because he hit the nail on the head. So Shelly's influence is part of why Green Gambino is still around. Well, well, Shelly. Oh, thanks. Shelly's a pretty influential gal. That's why we have her on. <laughs> right. I mean, that was more Clint than anything. But I mean, for me, you know, not only did our Morgan store create that, that community, the interesting part about it is Morgan and I were brought together because of a community of retailers. Like that was one of the most interesting and, and probably major change or shifts that helped me as well was when I was finally able to connect with another, with a group of other retailers doing similar things. And from a marketing perspective, even just from a regular retail perspective, like I think that that's the one of the main reasons that we thrived and we continue to grow for as long as because we had this group of, you know, 20 to 50. I mean, we had a smaller group and a bigger group too. But I mean, we had just these very like-minded individuals that we were all very respectful of each other and willing to share ideas. And, and that really that's what the community is all about. And the more that we can draw on those um good qualities that we all have in each other. And the more that we can lift each other up, the better off that we're going to be as a whole, whether it's in retail business or whether it's in parenting or anything else. Agreed. Agreed. You just, you have to seek out those people who have other ideas, who have better ideas, who have tried it and failed or tried it and succeeded. And I have continued to do that through our journey beyond just the baby industry, but into general retailers and into mastermind groups because you do kind of reach a point where you realize I don't know it all and I can't reinvent the wheel every time and I've got to look for the who not the how I've got to find the people who can help me instead of trying to figure out how to do it okay I'm writing that down I, I try to write a couple quotes down every every time from people here Morgan that's but that a was bank quote that's a that was a great quote find the who not the how find the who not the how I haven't rearranged the letters uh okay so so I mean, I mean, I, one of the other things that i wanted to lead with adam just give you a background about morgan and and going into this as well is you know a couple of weeks ago morgan we talked to um alisa from techni on the podcast and she was telling us how you know every day pretty much there's somebody that's closing their doors right like the the parenting especially brick and mortar, but uh, you know, the parenting world and the stores has been really, really difficult for a lot of different reasons, but the competition and the areas, especially that you were looking at and what you were saying have really exploded for you are cutthroat. Like you don't have huge margins on car seats and strollers and any of that kind of stuff. Gear generally doesn't have huge margins on it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's something that you should, that Adam should know going into this is that, in the last, I don't know, let's say three years. I mean, I've been, it's been almost two years now since I sold the store. But just in that time frame, I personally have seen at least two to three dozen stores that I knew of close their doors for a variety of reasons. And sometimes it's just cyclical because in the parenting world, like it's cyclical, people age out of it and they're not passionate about it. They move on to something else, what have you. Some of it is economy. Some of it is, you know, shifts and not being able to transition and pivot and move from brick and mortar to online or, you know, whatever you need to be able to do. But it's, 
it's a huge feat in not in not only the brick and mortar world, but in the parenting brick and mortar world to be there for 10 years. So I would love to have Morgan talk and share some of her wisdom a little bit, because I know we have some people listening that are coming into starting or are very fresh into um, retail endeavors with kids stuff. So yeah, you may have to you may have to wave a flag and tell me to stop talking. This one, <laughs> I do have some strong beliefs about. Um, one of them is just knowing that most of us in the parenting world started our businesses out of passion, and we started our businesses as a first time business owner. Most of us did not come from families who had owned retail stores for a long time. We came to this business because we loved the product, we loved the lifestyle, and like me, thought, how hard can it be? Um, turns out it's really hard. Oh, we were so naive. We were so naive. Um, <laughs> so that's the first understanding is that most of us in this parenting world come to it out of passion. And that passion can take us a long way, but it cannot get us across the finish line, whatever that finish line might be. So things I have learned beyond find who, not how, which is a really hard one to do because it tends to be expensive. You got to hire people. You've got to find a consultant, but it's learning the business skills. So whether it's the whiz bang retail mastery system, which I'm super deep into, that's the mastermind group I'm in or hiring management one, which is an inventory planning company. Most people who open their own retail store do not realize that your inventory does not manage itself. And when you don't have money, but your sales are great and your customers love you, but you don't have enough money to pay the bills. It's because it's tied up in the shelf because you don't buy with any intention. It also, people don't realize that just because your customers ask for it means they're going to buy it. So if you aren't following what they're actually purchasing through those analytics, like management one provides you, and you can do it on your own if you want, but it's really hard. If you aren't following what customers are actually buying, they vote with their wallet. And if you're buying because your gut says this is cute or a couple of these ladies on Instagram said I should buy this, it's really easy to get off in the weeds and lose a lot of money. Okay. Can we, can we pause there for just one second? So I'd like to try and maybe break that down and do a couple of things. So when you say that um, with management one inventory tracking and planning and everything like that, are we talking about, um, and you said buying with intention, are we talking about taking all of the capital, working capital that you have, or most of the working capital that you have, making large purchases, and then um, it and then it being tied up in product that sits on the shelf for 60, 90, 120 days? Well, that's how a lot of people do it, but that's not how you should be doing it. A right. lot of people go to a trade show, have no idea how much money they can spend but more importantly, how much money they should spend in each of the different categories represented in their store. And they buy because that sales rep is really persuasive or boy, that display looks really well, looks really good. So management one is looking at your data and saying, this is what your customers are actually voting on. This is what's selling well. This is where your inventory turns quickly. The faster it turns, the more money you make. Stuff sitting on a shelf for 120 days you're paying rent on that and it's not doing anything for you. So right. management one is helping you figure out what that is so that when you go to buy things, whether on a monthly basis or at a special show, you know where you should stop and where you should go deeper. So now when it comes to purchasing new products or keeping your ear to the ground about 
what a what a new product that comes out that your specific customer base you have a pretty confident idea that they're going to purchase this in droves now does that come from management one or does that come from like what are you doing to find these kinds of products and buy with actual data to back it up and not just a gut feeling well sometimes it is just a gut feeling but a good inventory planner like management one or the others you kind of know where you have a little bit of wiggle room. So, you know, I know this category is really hot. You know, I know that people are buying clothes like crazy. So I'm going to take a little bit of a gamble and I'm going to buy this thing. I'm not really sure it works, but I think it will. And then you watch it and you watch those numbers through the analytics process and it either is a winner or it's not. And now, you know, so it's a combination of gut and science or art and science and I am an analytical person. I really wish it was all science and it's not. <laughs> so you do have to learn to trust your gut sometimes because sometimes you're right and the numbers are wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now moving past that, what were some of the other things that you were going to say about um, a retail business operating in today? Well, I mean, uh, your experience from the last 10 years, I mean, today it's, it's a totally different ball. Well, a largely a different ball game, but last 10 years, what are some key points that you think are some people should really pay attention to? So, you know, watching your inventory, knowing where we started, um, understanding that you have to manage people better. And that has been a really hard lesson for me to learn. A lot of us who start out in the natural parenting industry may hire friends or may hire employees who have a passion for the product and the lifestyle, but really aren't good salespeople or frankly, aren't good employees. I see Shelly over there nodding. Um, you know, we've all had those people. And I think that's where a lot of us have gone wrong is we don't have the employee training skills that we need to run an efficient business. But again, it's the who, not the how, you know, it's finding sales training programs and there's a couple out there. It's hiring an accountant to help you with some HR stuff. There are ways you can do that without it being on your plate, but managing employees and training employees and running your business like a business, as opposed to a hobby, I think is a hard lesson for people to learn. And the faster you get there, the, le the less stressful your life will be and the more successful you're going to be. Yeah. Well, I think these are really key lessons that 95% of businesses out there um could really learn no matter what you know obviously there are some unique things to retail like uh, making sure that your inventory only stays on the shelf for x amount of time and past this amount of time you know it's it's really not doing any good like those are things that are unique to that industry but the couple of points that you put in there about listening to what your customers want so that you, um and backing it up with data so that you can actually make smart decisions and employees and everything um, and running a business like a business and not a hobby, um, for better lack of a better term. And, I mean, I just feel like that's th those are some really great lessons for most people that are running businesses, period. You know, and Shelly hit on it too. It's about pivoting. And that's something that we have managed to do over the last 10 years. I mentioned we started as a thousand square foot cloth diaper store, we had 70% of our inventory was cloth diapers. And as that market shifted, instead of holding on to this thing that I thought it was supposed to be, I was willing to listen to what my customers wanted and the community needed and pivot because I wanted a successful business that provided jobs for people and a place for people to go. I didn't have to do that. People get stuck on what they started with or what they think they want to do. 
and they're not willing to listen to the outside input and say, you know what, I think we need to go this way a little bit more. Yeah. Even from the beginning, you know, I mean, I think Elegant Mommy is a, a excellent example of that. You know, Elegant Mommy started as used maternity clothes. Like that's all that we did was used maternity clothes. We had 750 square feet and it was just all used maternity clothes. Now, within the first year that we were open, we did have a few cloth diapers that we brought in because of customer requests and stuff and some local and what have you. But yeah, I mean, we had to completely change and turn and figure out who our customer was because it, it became very quickly apparent once you start looking at the numbers, yes, you have to look at turn rates and all of that kind of stuff too. But at the end of the day, you have to look at your your bottom line, right? Like how, when, and even going into it, like you were probably the same. And I think like Adam said, like 90% of most small businesses out there, they think, well, if I make X amount of my top line is this every month, then I'll be fine, right? Because I mean, how easy it for somebody to say, we made $100,000 this year, or I made $10,000 this month, or I made, you know, whatever, I sold this much. That doesn't mean jack. Like, that number doesn't impress anybody who's been in retail for more than a few months. Well, it, it impresses people that aren't, that aren't in the industries. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, it's very impressive to be able to, you know, say, you know, we did half a million dollars in sales. And we're like, whoa, yeah, but my bottom line was like 20 grand. Like... Yep. Maybe, maybe yeah. because you probably had too much inventory to get to right? that number. So you might've even had a, a loss. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing that there's so much about it, that especially in retail, that people just don't get, you don't understand that, you know, in order to sell $500,000, there's a very good chance that you probably spent at least just at your cost, at least 300 to $350,000 just to be able to sell that much because of how narrow the margins are and and gifty kind of stuff like parenting stuff mm -hmm. gear in general is so much different than clothing or um, some yeah. of those other markets because you don't have the same kind of markup people aren't willing to pay because they're such high ticket items you know just like I guess I don't even know what another industry similar to it is. I was going to say cars, like new cars, but I don't know, I guess for sure. I what that. argument that the baby world is a unique animal. It's also a fairly new animal, you know, mm -hmm. you see clothing boutiques, clothing boutiques have been around for, I don't know what, several thousand years. Bookstores have been around for several hundred years. The baby industry has probably been around 20 years as an actual store type situation, you know? So we don't have the benefit of a hundred years of learning like the book industry has. So, yep. uh, yeah. Uh, I, just a real quick question. I'm really curious about this. What was that conversation? Cause I know this happened for both of you. And I'm just really curious. What was that conversation like with that one really passionate customer that you had that, you know, they were kind of there with you from day one and they're like, Hey, you should, you should really think about getting this in. And then, and then you do it. And then it just doesn't sell worth a crap. And then they're like, Hey, you should really get this in because I'm tired of going online and buying it. And then you do it again. And you learn your lesson again. Cause it sells like crap. And then the third time they come in, Hey, you should really buy this. And you're like, listen, no, like, because it's not going to sell. And I'm sorry, like, I really wish I could, but nobody else cares about it. You're the only one. No, 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 you don't understand. This will blow up. You just got to, you just got to pour more money into it. And it's like, so what was that conversation for you guys like to 
for that first customer, the first five or whatever to say, listen, that's great, but it's not going to sell like at all. Well, I think you're generous to assume it only happened like three times. <laughs> <laughs> I've been open for 10 years and I'm pretty sure it happened multiple times a year, most of those years. Um, you know, you just start to know your business really well. And, you know, my staff recently told me, hey, we've been getting a lot of requests for clothing bigger than 12 months. And I'm like, that's nice. Because I know it's not going to sell. People may ask for it, but they don't really want to buy it. And we just acknowledge a customer saying, thank you so much for that suggestion. I know you want to see us succeed. And we really appreciate that you took the time to let us know about this product. Thanks so much. Yep. Period. I mean, customers want to be acknowledged. They think they have a great idea and they may. And sometimes they really, really do. But even if it's not the right thing, it is important to acknowledge their contribution because they want to see you succeed. And that's why they gave you that. doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. Yeah, I always I always feel like those are um, really interesting situations because I then feel like then the conversation, it seems like naturally goes towards, oh, well, you know, um, Morgan or Shelly, they're just kind of resting on their laurels and they're not willing to innovate and go off and try new paths. And um and then there's almost like this spite that happens between customers or, and or maybe even employees. You know, they um, there was a uh, I used to run a detail shop and there was a couple of times where my employees were like, well, we should really do it like this way. Like we should really do it this way. And I have a little bit of a soft heart towards this because that's one of the reasons why I really hated working for other people, because I would bring up these suggestions on what 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 would happen if we just did it like this? And then what I was basically told is, shut up, you're only 25, go sit in the corner and go make us money. Thanks. Appreciate the suggestion. So one of the things that I did, if I looked at it and I saw that it wasn't really going to cost us much money, but it was going to be a learning lesson, I just said, you know what? That's a great idea. You go and execute on that. You tell me what you need and report back to me and let's let's crank out the numbers and see what happens. 